the Mach 10 Sports. We are officially back. Got a little week hiatus. We're unplugged. It's at the in-laws for the past couple of days. Uh, so wanted to provide you with the good content from the in-home studio. So we're here bringing that to you live. We're officially one week away. One week away from SEC Media Days down in Nashville this year. Changed it up. I think it was in Atlanta last year. This year, though, it's in Nashville, and that means it is college football time. Cannot be more jacked. That means it's right around the corner. Uh, I'll go over the schedule and who's coming from each school, what days each coach is talking. Remember, it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Commissioner Greg Sakey will address the media on that first day on Monday. But, again, SEC media days, always a fun time, man. Always a fun time. Uh, the story that initially just jumps out is Phil Fulmer, Philip Fulmer, former, t- former Tennessee coaches, if you don't remember. Year, built the program, should be offensive line coach, 80 there. Everybody remembers Philip Fulmer. Him not showing up to SEC Media Days when it was in Hoover uh, because he got served, or he, he was about to get served, I believe, at the Hyatt Regency Hotel, decided to do it from his house, got fined by Bali, believe it was Mike Slive was the uh, commissioner then. But that, it's always a story that kind of jumps off. Clay Travis asking Tim Tebow if he was a virgin before anyone really even knew Clay Travis was at the time. That's another outlandish story there's always good moments from sec media days but we'll go over that i'll give you the schedule uh we're not going to get right to portal news there's really not a lot of portal news to really keep you up with just from a college football college basketball standpoint we got mlb draft i'll talk about that from a college basketball standpoint about 95 percent through the storm there from the portal storm which i've liked it's been awesome uh keeping track of that a lot of big names going different places. I think it keeps college basketball really exciting. I really do like the transfer portal. You know, college football transfer portal a little bit. gets a little bit watered down. But the college basketball, man, good players transferred all over, especially from mid-major up. Seeing how that uh, transpires, that has been fun to keep up with. Probably at 95% there, like I mentioned, though. Remember, some of these teams are going on foreign tours. Some of these guys can graduate. They're going to go hop in the portal if they don't like the minutes they're getting over in Spain, uh, France, Portugal, where all these – Foreign tours are that these teams will take. A lot of SEC teams aren't doing it this year. That was really last year. Remember, Auburn went to Israel last year, Alabama, Spain, and France. I believe Arkansas went to Spain. Kentucky went to the Bahamas. Off the top of my head, that was, that's really it. Those ones. I think Bandy went somewhere else, too. Not a lot from the SEC, if any, this year off the top of my head. But, again, do not be surprised. We've said all the whole time, if some kind of grad transfer doesn't really like his minutes on one of these teams that he enters. I'm calling it. It's going to happen. Uh, so nothing to keep you up with right now, but as we kind of get in those August months, someone probably a week before kind of sneaks into those, sneaks into a university for the fall semester start. So keep your heads up on that. I'll keep you updated on that. We're officially 47 days away from the college football season. From an SEC standpoint, you'll be fired up. Bandy, Hawaii will be the first game off that. But I'm here to give you my 2023 quarterback rankings. You've probably seen a ton of people's listed out there. But I've gathered all this just from talking to people. We've played against these quarterbacks, who are on staff with these current quarterbacks, these one through fourteen quarterbacks in the SEC. Uh, my own personal evaluations here in the past month have been locking in, watching, trying to do anywhere from three to five games on each quarterback, projected quarterback, uh, with some of these transfers. I'm going to give you one through fourteen straight up. A couple surprises here and there. I'll get into the details, the prerequisites of what went into these rankings when we get to that segment. But we will talk about that as well. The Major League Baseball draft started last night. Going through today was last night. 13 picks overall by the Southeastern Conference. No surprise. Another record-setting MLB draft. Looking at, 19, looking at it right now. With 19 of the first 39 picks in the first round and compensation draft being players already on SEC rosters or committed to SEC schools. So 19 out of the first 39 picks were either on SEC rosters this past year or committed to them at a high school. It's per Chris Marler uh, on Twitter, uh, at Vern FunQuest, I believe is his handle that I saw that on. But the three of the top four picks all being SEC guys, with Paul Skeens getting drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates, first overall pick, Dylan Cruz next, going to the Washington Nationals, and then the Texas Rangers selecting Florida's Wyatt Lang for LSU, having back-to-back draft picks. Uh, but how about LSU in general? They're the first team ever, first college athletics program, to have a first overall pick in the four major professional drafts. It's NFL. It's, in, it's Major League Baseball. It's NBA and WNBA is what people consider the four main drafts. NFL draft, the Major League Baseball draft, the NBA draft, and the WNBA draft. And with those guys, just, just some names to refresh you, just so you know. Joe Burrow, Jamarcus Russell in football. 
Shaquille O'Neal and Ben Simmons in basketball, Paul Skeens and Ben McDonald in baseball, and WNBA, Simone Augustus, for you guys to forget about her. LSU top to bottom. I'm not telling you something you already know, but a great athletics department right now and historically as well. Uh, but let's get right to it. Major League Baseball updating you from right now. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give you the first two rounds of guys who are project who got drafted. Uh the second round total. Let's get rounds three through ten were today. I'm not gonna go in the weeds about that. And then tomorrow we'll finish off eleventh through twenty rounds. So we got rounds three through ten finished up today. Then you got the eleventh through twenty rounds tomorrow. And you had the first two rounds last night. I'm here to tell you the first two rounds, the and all the picks from the Southeastern Conference. Going first overall, we just talked about it. Paul Skeens, dominant. As dominant as you could be, unless you, I guess you're Arkansas. Two times pitching against Arkansas, did not get the win. But Paul Skeens, about as dominant as you could be, uh, about as automatic win as there could be at the college. Level. He went number one overall to the Pittsburgh Pirates. His teammate, again, LSU went back-to-back. -back. Dylan Cruz went second overall to the Washington Nationals. Florida's Wyatt Langford went fourth overall to the Texas Rangers. Tennessee's pitcher Chase Dolander, ninth overall to the Colorado Rockies. Ole Miss shortstop Jacob Gonzalez, 15th overall to the Chicago White Sox. Vanderbilt center fielder Enrique Bradfield went 17th overall to the Baltimore Orioles. Florida's Hurston Waldrop, pitcher Hurston Waldrop, 24th overall to the Atlanta Braves. Uh, LSU's Ty Floyd, who stepped up for him late in the College World Series, had the big had the big game um, against Florida in the College World Series championship game, what do you know, eight innings, 12 Ks was one of the main reasons why they won that series against Florida. Uh, 38th overall to the Cincinnati Reds. And then moving to the second round, Ole Miss' Kemp Alderman played left field, D8 for some 47th overall to the Miami Marlins. LSU's great Taylor, who was out all year, got hurt with the elbow injury. Imagine if they had him. I know they struggled uh, during the season with their rotation, but in the postseason, like I mentioned in the predictions, going into the College World Series, the NCAA tournament uh, regional for college baseball, it only matters how well your staff's doing in postseason. Throw out the regular season success once we announce the regional parents. It doesn't matter. LSU had the upside. And you had guys like Ty Floyd step up when you need to. But imagine if they'd had a guy, Grant Taylor, who went 51st overall this year and didn't even pitch. Chicago White Sox drafted him. Mississippi State's Colton Ledbetter, 55th overall to the Tampa Bay Rays. Then Florida's right-handed pitcher Brandon Sprout, 56th overall to the New York Mets. Then Arkansas pitcher Jackson Wiggins going 68 to the Chicago Cubs. Like I mentioned, rounds 3-2 through 10 were today. Didn't, we got some stuff to cover. We're not going to go into the weeds with that. But then rounds 11 through 20 are tomorrow. Just wanted to update you a little bit on the college baseball draft. A lot of SEC names, as you know. Um, let's get to SEC media days. I'm about to give you the schedule right here. Starting Monday, July 17th, a week from today, we'll have LSU Brian Kelly, Missouri's Elijah Drinkowitz, Texas a Jimbo Fisher. Oh, I mean – Second year, Brian Kelly, some questions he could get. It's probably going to be the adjustment to the league from Notre Dame. It's going to be something he's had. He got a little bit of the lay of the land last year, won the SEC West, as we know. He'll get some questions about that, probably about how the leadership of Jaden Daniels and the development of him through this offseason will be. I mean, they got their quarterback and Mike Denbrock back, the offensive coordinator back in that. Matt, Matt House is the offensive coordinator. A lot of teams don't have that. They're starting quarterback, both their coordinators back, and obviously the head coach is back. A big advantage and some other questions Brian Kelly could get. That, that's really it. I mean, kind of being the hunted a little bit this year. Not saying LSU really ever sneaks up on anybody. Probably be how is his team taking on being the hunted? Also, offensive line, the offensive line to guys like Emory Jones, Will Campbell. Does he feel like they've stepped up, grown? From sources I hear, they feel really good about that offensive line this year. They think that's going to be a strength. Uh, Missouri's Elijah Drinkwitz. I think the big question he's going to get is: Is Brady Cook? We'll talk about quarterbacks here in a minute, but is Brady Cook ready to step up? Is he ready to step up? I mean, they have guys. They got Luther Burden sitting out there, Mookie Cooper sitting out there, Theo Weiss, the Oklahoma transfer coming in. They have guys out there. He just is coming off the labor tear, did not participate in the spring. We'll talk about quarterbacks, like I said, here in a minute. Jake Garcia, Sam Horn, and Beggar. He needs one of those quarterbacks to step up because I think his defense is good enough to get to a bowl game this year. He's going to be hit hard with that. Hey, you're a quarterback guy. You're an offensive guy. You were brought in to do this. Is the Fresno State OC going to come in and help? Suffice that missing piece right there, which is the quarterback position. Because I think if they get above average quarterback boy, I think Missouri can be pretty good this year. Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher. What's he not going to get asked about? How's the marriage going with Bobby Petrino? Can Connor Wigman step up? NIL will definitely be a conversation somebody will bring up to him. Um, expansion, what's he feel about Texas joining the league? That'll be stuff uh, Jimbo Fisher will be uh, talked about. Are, are all these recruiting classes – 
that he's been accumulating, getting big-time guys on both lines of scrimmage, which is where the game's won. Are they ready to take it to the next level? I think those are kind of questions that Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M is going to be faced at media day. Uh, moving to Tuesday, July 18th, we got Auburn's Hugh Freeze, Georgia's Kirby Smart, Mississippi State's Zach Arnett, and Vanderbilt's Cork Lee. The Hugh Freeze back in the league. First SEC media day since, what, 2016 when he was at Ole Miss. Welcome back, Hugh. We're back in Nashville on Broadway, baby. Hugh, Hugh's going to be asked about his quarterback position. Let's be honest. It's going to be Peyton Thorne or it's going to be Robbie Ashford. Lean towards Peyton Thorne again. Big quarterback segment coming up. Stay tuned. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, how he inherited the rosters. Not very good. Going back all the way to Gus Malzahn and Brian Harson. Just constant misses on the offensive line on this front. Can't happen or that catches up to you on Saturdays. It just does. It just does. If you don't dig in deep, watch the eval tapes, have prototypes, have critical factors at the offensive line position and know what you're looking for, really, and it all pertains and it's all relative to what the level you're at. I mean, you're, some levels you're going to give up some size for some athleticism. You're going to give up some athleticism for size a little bit, depending what you're wanting when you get down into the lower tiers. But at a school like Auburn, you should have critical factors. You should do all your details. All, know all your details. Does he love football? Uh, no, no. You're non-negotiables. Those are things that they inherited a bad offensive line, Hugh Free. So he's going to get – they did as good as they could from managing that roster through the transfer portal. Now it's just tying all these guys together that have never played before to go play for one another to reach a common goal. That's kind of what Hugh Free is going to be asked about. I'm sure it's about the roster turnover. How's that going? Just the transition back into the SEC. How has that been? How's it been since he's been out for 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, for six years? How's it, how's it been being out of the league for six years? What's it kind of look like now? Obviously, you're bringing in Texas, Oklahoma. But I think those are some questions Hughes Free is going to be addressed or going to be asked about. Georgia, Kirby Smart. I mean, let's, let's get to it. He's going to be asked about a lot of the off-the-field stuff this past year. It's speeding issues, two deaths from a staff member to a player. So he's going to be asked about that. I, I know some people don't like that, but it's, it's just what it is. He's going to be asked about that at SEC Media Days. Probably going to be asked about, hey, you're going for a three-peat. How's your team taking on that person, that personality trait? Or do, are they internally motivated? Because externally, everybody thinks they're just going to crawl right through their 12-game 12, through their 12 game regular season schedule. Me, personally, I've been outspoken on the show numerous times. I don't think there's really any kind – I think they're going to run through it. Only chance – and, again, see how it goes. It's late in the year. At Tennessee and Knoxville, that'll be the only game right there. He's gonna so he's gonna get asked about his off the field stuff and how Georgia is taking up being the hunted um, this year down in Athens. And I should say hunted. They've been hunted really since Kirby's been there. But how's his team taking on that mindset where there's there's only so much extra motivation and external motivation you can get? It's got to be internal. It's got to be internal for them to go win the national championship ultimately. Because I think they're gonna get to Atlanta unscathed. That's going to be a different story, whether they face LSU, Alabama, or Texas A&M, in my opinion. Then, obviously, the playoffs is another game. They they skim by Ohio State, a very talented Ohio State team last year. Georgia, honestly, probably shouldn't have won that game. They did. They went on to win the national championship, obviously. But you never know in one-game settings we get to playoffs. So, I'm not ready to just fully say Georgia's going to win the national championship, but I do think they'll go 12-0. Uh, Mississippi State, Zach Garnett, he'll definitely get asked about his first time being a head coach, going through the – unfortunate circumstances of taking over for a legend like Mike Leach. That's definitely what he'll be asked about. Probably some guys stepping up on the outside, the new system with Kevin Barbie, the new offensive coordinator coming over from Appalachian State. How will Will Rogers, the all-SEC quarterback, who's been in a spread system in his entire life, how's he transitioned to uh, Kevin Barbie's offense? I think those are the main two key factors he'll be asked about. And then Clark Lee, he's going to be asked about at his alma mater, is his team ready to take that next step and get to bowl eligibility? I think he's done a great job so far. I think most people recognize that. Again, it's tough not to pick them again to finish last in the East with everything going on. But I do think there is a chance for them to get to a bowl game if they can, they can get some wins. They can sneak up on some people. But I think he's going to be asked about, hey, can they take it? You've done good your first three years. Now it's time to go get that bowl eligibility. I think he's going to be asked about that, the progressions through that offseason. Uh, Wednesday, July 19th, Alabama, Nick Saban, Arkansas, Sam Pittman. Florida's Billy Napier and Kentucky's Mark Stoops. Oh, man. Nick Saban. I think Nick, obviously Nick's going to ask about how the um, transition between Kevin Steele coming back to Alabama to take over the defensive coordinator position and how Tommy Reese has been as the new OC. I think he's also going to be asked about what's the quarterback situation looking like? What's the feel? Nick Saban's always good for a good quote. Two or three at SEC Media Days. I'm expecting something like that. Uh, probably he's going to be asked about, hey, do you feel like you've been overtaken – in the SEC by Georgia and nationally by Georgia. 
I think he's going to get a lot of bulletin board material he'll be able to bring back to his team when he talks to them before summer workouts again. Because just in my history of working in college football, these these co- head coaches get in front of their teams a couple of times a week before workouts, before the seven-on-sevens, uh, the script periods, and can talk to them kind of – you know Alabama's going to get a lot of bulletin board material from this, this SEC media day, more than they've had in eight, nine years probably. Because everyone's going to be picking Georgia. Some people are going to be picking LSU. I think the media is going to pick Alabama to win the West. But a lot of people, more so than a, more so in a long time, are going to pick LSU to win the West. That, that's fine to make statement. But I think he's going to have a lot of stuff to bring back in his briefcase from a motivation standpoint for his team, more so than he's had in a very long time. Very long time. Um, Sam Pittman. I think he's going to be asked about his two new coordinators. Obviously, Danny knows coming back to Fayetteville, Travis Williams coming over from UCF to be the new defensive coordinator. I think he's going to get asked about this. He's going to he's going to get asked how KJ Jefferson how, how how has he been in a new kind of pro style system? Maybe a little surprise for you again with the quarterback uh, rankings coming up here in just a minute. I think he'll be asked about that. Is the defensive secondary improved? He's going to get asked about that. Do they have the depth on the defense to make it through an entire season? And how big of a season, springboard season, is this to get? Because after 2020, the COVID year. In 2021, everybody's like, man, Arkansas, let's go. I'm riding with them. Last year, a little bit of a dip. A little bit of a dip. I think this year's a big year for Arkansas. Uh, I think the two new coordinator, coordinator hires are going to be make or break. I think he knows that. So it'll be interesting to see what Sam Pittman says in that regard. Florida's Billy Napier. He's going to be asked about probably do coaches get fired too soon at times. It'll be interesting to see his answer. I, and honestly, I think Billy Napier, if given enough time, will get Florida right. It's just going to take more time than probably Florida's at admin, administration and fans want to say probably. Uh, Billy Napier will also be asked about Graham Mertz, maybe Jack Miller, uh, the new young defense coordinator, Austin Armstrong. Are they going to blitz as much as they showed in their spring game? I think stuff like that. Big year for Billy Napier. I think people are going to kind of feel like, hey, is he ready for this pressure? What's it? Is he kind of going to be a deer in headlights? I don't think he will be. I just people are going to be looking for that. Any chinks in that armor? Because people want to jump on Florida. Robots. Again, I'm not real high on Florida, but I'm not ready just to jump on them and just count them out for dead yet. Uh, I think they're a five, six win team this year. Ceiling's probably eight. They have a really good year. Schedule's just too tough. But it will be interesting to see what Billy Napier says. Kentucky's Mark Stoops. I think it's going to be Devin Leary is going to be the topic of conversation. Liam Cohen's going to be the topic of conversation. I think he feels good about his defense. But also, the offensive line, the big blue wall, does he feel like they're going to take that next step to be able to protect Devin Leary? Because they have guys on the outside. We'll talk about them here in a minute when I'm ranking Devin Leary. But Barry and Brown, Dane Key, Travian Robinson. Kentucky's probably as skilled on the outside as they've been Certainly the Mark Stoops era, but maybe Everest is a good this is a good wide receiver group. It is. It is. Derek Abney would maybe get some reps in this. Kidding. I like Derek Abney. If you don't remember him, played in the early 2000s in Kentucky. Good receiver for the Wildcats. But Mark Stoops, those will be some questions really offensively he'll handle. Um, moving to Thursday, July 20th, Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, South Carolina's Shane Beamer, and Tennessee's Josh Heibel, and that will wrap up SEC Media Days next Thursday. But Ole Miss is Lane Kiffin. Uh, I think he's going to be asked about his quarterback room, like how Spencer Sanders been handling. But everything I'm hearing, Jackson Dart's going to be the guy. I think he, I think he took his game up the next level. Um, he'll talk about Pete Golden's transition to the defensive coordinator. I think that'll be a big topic of conversation for Lane Kiffin too. Uh, also, what's his thoughts on the portal? You know, Lane Kiffin very like Nick Saban, but very different in from a standpoint of quotable two opposites into the spectrum when we're talking about how they do how they go about their daily business but from a quotable standpoint from an sec media day media day standpoint you'll come back with something from lane lane kiffin's gonna say something he's gonna say something we'll be talking about probably that thursday night episode on july 20th you can guarantee it he'll say something but certainly it's gonna revolve around the quarterbacks he took with walker howard and jack um spencer sanders to fit in with jackson dart and then it's certainly going to be with Pete Golden taking over the defense. And how improved is that defense, specifically the secondary? Um, South Carolina, Shane Beamer. He's going to be asked about it. Are they ready to take it to the next level? Marcus Satterfield's out. Dow Loggins is in. The tight ends coach from Arkansas that they brought in this year. Is Spencer Sanders, is he ready to be consistent? That's what I keep saying about all these quarterbacks in the SEC this year. The key word, key phrase is consistency. We've seen some highs from guys. We've seen lows from those same guys. We have some guys that I think are be pretty good that hadn't had a chance. But it's going to be about consistency. Spencer Sanders, he's the main guy that comes to my mind when we're talking about consistency. Is he going to be like in the Tennessee game? Or is he going to be like in the Georgia game early in the year? It's a, it's to be determined. I mean, I like the way he was going through that end of the year, the last three games of the regular season, the last three games, especially the last two games of the regular season against Tennessee and Clemson. Then even in the bowl game, it's Notre Dame. He had his moments. But Spencer Sanders can play well. 
South Carolina get eight, nine wins. But again, I think it's going to be about their offensive line. He'll get some questions about that. But really, I think Shane Beamers is going to be about, hey, are they ready to go take it to the next level? And also, how, what is the offense going to look like this year with new OC Dowell Logans? Um, and then finally, Tennessee, Josh Heupel. Last one, simple drive from Knoxville to Nashville on Thursday night uh, or on Thursday before Thursday. And he'll drive about that night, I'm sure. Um, Josh Heupel, he'll be asked about Joe Milton for sure. Joe Milton, and honestly, I think, hey, what kind of defense do y'all have this year? You got a lot of veterans. Tennessee's got 17, 18 uh, senior starters that's going to be on their team next year. On the entire Tennessee's a veteran squad. If Joe Milton can step up, more time's gone. I've kind of liked Tennessee the more I've been studying here in the last month or two of them. But he'll be asked about the defense, and Joe Milton would be what I think. And he's, hey, how are y'all taking on – what has the message been on being the hunted? Because I think last year, Tennessee, yeah, there was some hype around them, especially with Hendon Hooker. Uh, coming in, everybody knows Josh Heupel puts up points, but what was, but I mean, but what is the mindset this year where everybody kind of has Tennessee circled this year? Everybody, especially the guys in Tuscaloosa, are Florida's gonna have them circled this year because everybody's gonna think Tennessee's gonna roll in there, and beat them, me, me included. Georgia, definitely. Tennessee's they're gonna be a hot name this year, they're a sexy name this year. Are they ready to take on the hunt and having that target on their back every week? Topic of conversation. Players attending from every team before we kind of move on to the quarterback rankings. For Alabama, you got offensive lineman J.C. Latham, uh, corner Kool-Aid McKinstry, and linebacker Dallas Turner. For Arkansas, you got Landon Dickerson, the defensive end, quarterback K.J. Jefferson, and then running back Raheem Rocket Sanders. For Auburn, we got tight end Luke Deal, linebacker Elijah McAllister, and then offensive lineman Cameron Stutz. For Florida, we got offensive lineman Kingsley, Iguokin, Jason Marshall, and then Ricky Purcell, wide receiver, Ricky Purcell. From Georgia, we got tight end Brock Bowers, DB Kamari Lasseter, then uh, offensive lineman center Cedric Van Pran. For Kentucky, uh, they're sending over offensive lineman Eli Cox. It's a pretty good sign. They need to, they need some guys to step up there. Defensive lineman Octavius Oxidine and J.J. Weaver at linebacker. I like both those guys right there. LSU sending Jaden Daniels, quarterback Jaden Daniels, running back Josh Williams, and defensive tackle Makai Wingo. Ole Miss is sending over Cedric Johnson, the defensive end, senior leader, uh, running back Quinchon Jenkins. We all know him. And then DeAndre Prince sitting there at corner. Mississippi State sending defensive tackle Jaden Crumedy, uh, running back Joaquavius Marks, and then quarterback Will Rogers. Missouri sending DB Chris Abrams Drain. Hey, it's Panhandle kid down there. Uh, offensive lineman Javon Foster. Uh, then defensive lineman Darius Robertson. Darius Robinson, I'm sorry. And then uh, South Carolina sending defensive lineman Tonka Hemingway, punter Kai Kroger. Defense, uh, then quarterback Spencer Rattler, Tennessee sending the quarterback Joe Milton, defensive lineman Amari Thomas, and then tight end Jacob Warren, and then Texas A&M sending in defensive lineman Fidel Diggs, McKinley defensive lineman McKinley Jackson, and wide receiver Nia Smith, and then finally Vanderbilt sending linebacker Ethan Barr, safety Jalen Mahoney, and then wide receiver kind of do it all on the outside for him, Will Shepard. SEC media days, man. Fun, fun, fun time. It means college football is just around the corner. Be looking for quotes. It's, it's almost like a full day of spring break if you're an SEC football fan. I mean, you got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You hear from the commissioner all the way down. I don't have to tell you. Everybody pays attention to SEC media days. But it just means college football and SEC football in general is just around the corner, man. Excited for it. A week from today. week from today. Moving to the SEC 2003 quarterback rankings. You have seen everybody's out there. You've seen everyone's out there. But the only thing that bothers me with some of these is usually they're just based off last season. No one really factors in guys that could come in that you haven't really seen a lot. Guys like Carson Beck uh, should be Georgia's starter this year. We don't really factor in those guys for whatever reason. And I think someone could make a fair argument that's like, well, I, I don't really know what that guy's done. I had not seen him play. But I think you got to go back, evaluate the film he does have, evaluate maybe even some of the high school film. Going back to Providence Day with Carson Beck. He's committed to Alabama at one point. Decided to go to Georgia. Obviously, it's where we're at. But I'm going to do mine a little different. I'm going to base these rankings off conversations I've had from people who've been around these guys in that same building, coached against these guys, and seen them, scouted them for a full week, a full offseason. Um, based off their current resume right now, I'm going to go off of it. To be fair to the people, I was just kind of – Going at a little bit, saying, hey, it's just based off last season, that has to be a factor for sure. And then basically, and then basically, or and then finally, off my final personal evaluation off watching the film here for the last month. I've been working on this past month, trying to watch four or five games, 
going back to some high school highlights to put this together, talking to sources in the building, guys that have scouted them, and then obviously what they've done on paper, what they've done on tape in college, obviously taken into effect, especially last year. Then I'm also finally, and I think this is one that's not looked at enough, system changes. Guys like Will Rogers are going to be in a different system for the first time in his life. KJ Jefferson taking over more of a pro style. It's going to be a lot more on his shoulders. Get into that. You may see some surprises here for me. But all that just taken in. So my own personal evaluation, doing my homework, letting to, uh, just kind of ranking these by what my eyes tell me. Stats, numbers, stuff last year, but not as weighted heavily as some. Um, and like I said, sources, talking to people that I trust in the industry, what they think from being in the buildings, how these guys are wired. Then also just me taking – some of it's just – of just a pure projection how I think the season is ultimately going to turn out. And again, this is how I think these rankings in the year at the end of November, beginning of December. Let's leave it at that. Starting at, no, 2000, starting at number 14, Graham Mertz from Florida, the Wisconsin transfer. Just too inconsistent right now for me, just from his time at Wisconsin for what he did. Now, I know I'm, I'm probably a little lower than some on him. I haven't seen a lot of guys rank him high, but I think he's a very low ceiling would not be shocked if maybe we saw Jack Miller at the same point, but Florida's offensive line is going to be key. They can establish any kind of run game because they got two good backs in Trevor Etienne and Montrell Johnson. If they can establish a run that would definitely help take some pressure off guys like Graham Mertz, maybe a Jack Miller. But when's the last time Florida's quarterback going to the year has been ranked last? I think that's where it's at, and I think it's a fair ranking right now. Moving to number 13, we're going to A.J. Swan from Vanderbilt. I think he takes the next step this year. Heard great things this past spring, him doing a good job. Uh, I was impressed with him in 2022. I mean, and expect him to take an improvement after watching the spring game about a week ago. Again, he's ranked 13th, but again, I think there's a lot of depth in this SEC quarterback class this year. There may not be a real dude. There may not be a dude. There really may not be, and I don't think there'll be as many first-round draft picks as there was this past year, but I think the depth's there. I think the depth's there. I mean, for A.J. Swan to be ranked 13th, this is a lot about the league. I'm not saying he's some great, he's not going to be some future NFL guy, but I think that kind of gives credit to a little bit of the depth in the league. I mean, someone's got to be ranked 13th. So I'm going to go AJ Swan. I think he takes a step, but again, sitting at number 13th. Number 12, big, big deal here for Eli Drinkwitz and the Missouri Tigers. That's Brady Cook. Uh, coming off of labor and tear, did not participate in spring. So that allowed Eli Drinkwitz to take a look at the Miami transfer, Jake Garcia, and then Sam Horn. They got all the reps in the spring. I expect Brady Cook to take over. I mean, he's played well. I mean, last year he was a 65% passer, 14 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Not bad numbers. Not bad numbers there. Um, You watch the Georgia – go back and watch the Georgia game. You see some stuff you like. Not a lot of velocity. I don't think he can spray it to all three levels. But I think he does have enough touch and accuracy to make some plays when he needs to. Um. He's key to Missouri season. He's, I think they got enough everywhere else to go bowl, to get to bowl eligibility. And I think this is big for Elijah Drinkwitz's tenure down in uh, Columbia. So it'll be big. I think Brady Cook, though, I got him sitting at 12 uh, going into the season. And this is, again, this is how I think it finishes. So he's going to finish 12. But again, I don't, that doesn't mean Missouri can't go to a bowl game. I just think there's more depth in the uh, SEC at quarterback than I think people are giving it credit for. But again, not as top heavy as a conference like the Pac 12 would have. Um, sitting at number 13. Put Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford. I think Peyton Thorne wins this job. The Northwestern transfer, he's good enough to move forward and move an offense down the field, especially with a quarterback developer like Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze has had success with quarterbacks his entire career, really. And Peyton Thorne definitely has enough. Played it, took Michigan State to a Peach Bowl in 2021. Um, they have depth. He has enough ability to go win games in the SEC. Not a championship, but probably anywhere from seven to eight games. I think Peyton Thorne, maybe nine, can get it done. Um, not high NFL upside by any means. I might go to that, but I think he can do a serviceable job this year and give Hugh Freeze and Auburn, especially with the receivers they brought in, a chance to go win enough games in Hugh Freeze's first season at Auburn. So I got Peyton Thorne sitting at 11. Call me crazy here. This may be one that gets an initial look. But number 10, Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, and Ty, Ty, Tyler Buckner, Notre Dame transfer. If anyone is predicting who's going to be the starter in game one, before Tyler Butner's even put on a black jersey at a University of Alabama football practice yet, you're crazy. Um, this is another spot, though, that I think, just like Peyton Thornton, could ascend up a little bit. I, th I think it could move up uh, after the season. You could see these You could see both Peyton Thornton and uh, either Jalen Milrow, uh, 
Tyler Buckner or Ty Simpson uh, coming in and moving up up the projection. That would not shock me at all. But going into game one, I don't think you could project either one of them. Um, the quarterback's going to be involved in Tommy Reese's run game. I think all three bring that attribute to the table, which is fine. I think it's – you haven't seen that a lot now in past Alabama offenses, but I think they're going to be incorporated in the run game. All three of them can – bring that to some extent i think the high upside guys Jalen milrow if he can become a more consistent passer i don't know if he can do that i lean towards no off everything i've seen and heard i ultimately think ty simpson's going to be the guy here but right now i can only put him at 10 there's nothing it says right now i can move them up there's nothing off all the film i said that would just be going off the logo or i should say the numbers on alabama's helmets but again i think ty simpson ultimately takes that role as we get through the season don't know who starts that game one against Middle Tennessee State. I think you'd be crazy if you could tell me who that was because I think you could see a, a starter in Middle Tennessee State, one guy, then a different starter the next week against Texas. So I think 10th right now is perfect for Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, or Tyler Buckner. Number nine, Will Rogers from Mississippi State. Now remember that change of system thing I brought up. I discussed, I discussed that in the prelim of the segment. This is an exact example, exact example right now. Some people may be ninth. Will Rogers, the guy's an all-SEC guy. System change, man. He's been in a spread off that's even going back to his brain in high school days. And this doesn't mean he's going to have a bad year. It's just like A.J. Swan to me. He could have a really – I think State could be solid this year, win anywhere from seven to eight games. And I still think he could be ranked nine. But I think some of his stats are going to go down. I mean, listen to this stat. Only 40% of Rodgers' passing yardage total last year came before the catch. That's from College of Play Analytics. The short passes through the Mike Leach system aren't going to be there. They're going to be He's going to have to make more throws downfield, which is going to probably lead to some more interceptions. And uh, his completion percentage is going to be down. I mean, at one point, I think he was at 70 72% completion percentage. That's not normal in the SEC. So that's going to go down some. I think he's going to go down some. I think there's going to be a transition period for that. So that's why I got Will Rogers sitting in nine. That by no means means I'm saying he's going to have a bad season or Mississippi State's going to have a bad season. I think there's just going to be a little transition to the Kevin Barbie offense for Will Rogers being in a pro st- more pro-style offense for the first one in a while. And some of these guys, like Riley Godet, the tight end position, or Jaquavia Spivey, guys like that, the Georgia transfer Godet and Spivey, the TCU transfer, they can help a guy like Will Rogers with a new system. So I got Will Rogers sitting here at nine. I think that's fair. Moving number eight. Connor Wegman from Texas A&M. Connor Wegman from Texas A&M. Bobby Petrino and Jimbo Fisher's biggest project heading into the 2023 season. If Connor Wigman can step up and reach his full potential, which I think he can, because I liked what I saw last year, didn't have a single interception, and he was thrown into a rough situation. I, I kind of like Wigman in this. I think with Petrino and Jimbo Fisher, we can put egos aside. There's enough raw mold uh, – Raw clay at a Connor Wigman to turn him into a pretty good quarterback and let Texas A&M go win nine, ten games this year. So right now I got him at number eight. I think he's going to be pretty good this year. Moving to number seven, Ole Miss starting quarterback Jackson Dart. He's the guy I think it's going to have a one of the guys going to have the bigger years from what I'm hearing. I think Lane Kiffin pressed all the right buttons, bringing in Spencer Sanders and Walker Howard, and I think Walker Howard's the future for uh, Ole Miss. But Spencer Sanders, I mean, well, I've heard Walker Howard's even above Spencer Sanders, and uh, would be Walker Howard would be taking the two reps right now if we started tomorrow. Our fall camp started tomorrow. But word is Jackson Dart has elevated his game. He's living in the facility, more of a mature guy this year. And I think him having some competition pushing him behind him in the spring made his game better. I mean, he's kind of a Brett Farbish guy. His highs are highs and his lows are lows. Not saying he's some future NFL Hall of Famer, but he'll make some unbelievable throws with some nice touch, some hand talent. And then he'll make some poor decisions and throw some bad interceptions. Now, some of that is I think Lane Kiffin and putting him in some bad situations, going for it on fourth down and stuff like that. But again, I think Jackson Dart's ready to take that next step this year. I think he's ready to take that next step. I think the SEC in general has got a lot of just gamers this year in the league. I don't know about a lot of pure NFL talent, but Jackson Dart's a guy like me. He's kind of like a Brett, or a guy like Brett Favre a little bit to me that is a little bit of a gamer, and I like that in me, especially from the college level. We're not we're not ranking this from an NFL draft standpoint. Total opposite. Jackson Dart could have a great NFL career. I'm not leaning towards that right now, but I do think he takes that next jump. And I think he leads that Ole Miss offense next year, and I think the tight ends this year are going to be his big friend. Cole Priest Corn Kid, Caden Priest Corn Kid from Memphis, it transferred in. If Michael Trick can stay on the field and not kind of be somewhat of a head case, I think he could help this year. He's just got to be healthy. I mean, the best ability is availability. So I think the tight end position is going to be there for Jackson Dart, but I just think he takes that next step this year 
Um, from everything I've heard, I, I think a big season's ahead with the Ole Miss quarterback in Jackson Dart. Number six, this is going to shock. This is probably the bigger shocker in my rankings. K.J. Jefferson. Yes, my big surprise is I just said it. Again, I think this is a system transition right here. Um, I've actually not seen anybody have him lower than third on a ranking. I'm looking at it right now. Yep. But I think the new more pro-style system that Danny knows is bringing in, it's going to be an adjustment for K.J. Uh, he isn't going to have a bad season, just like Will Rogers isn't going to have a bad season. But I do think he takes a step back. I think it's the best way to explain it. I don't think they're going to have bad seasons, K.J. Jefferson or Will Rogers. I think they're just going to take somewhat of a step back with new systems. Um, sometimes I just – I say this. He, but, again, I guarantee you K.J. Jefferson will have a big game against one of these Mississippi schools. Remember, he's from Sardis, Mississippi, right down the street from Oxford. He usually has a big game there, either against Mississippi State or Ole Miss. Probably will happen again this year. He takes that game personally. But sometimes these coaches put too much on these guys. I don't, I'm not ready to say uh, Danny knows is going to do that or not. But there's a lot of pre-checks at the line of scrimmage. Uh, a lot of a lot of different reads he's going to have to take. A lot of pre-snap, uh, pre-check at the line of scrimmage. Some stuff he's going to have to bring back to Dan Enos to the sideline, if that makes sense. So usually between series, most people know this, the quarterback's talking to his offensive coordinator, hey, I saw this, linebacker's blitzing off the edge, or hey, they're doing a fire dog blitz between the eight gaps. They're talking. From what, I'm heard, from what I've heard, he struggled with that in the spring. I don't necessarily know if KJ Jefferson had a lot, has a lot of football intelligence or really knows defenses, ins and outs. He doesn't have to be Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, or Drew Brees here. But again, this is a big transition for a kid. It's probably just always had a he's been a one-read guy. I know he was in the Bryles system with Kendall Bryles, and he did well. So that's not a knock. It is what it is. These offensive coordinators in college, their job is not to totally get them ready for the NFL. It's to win football games. Nobody's ever retained their job in college because, man, he didn't win a lot of games, but he put some guys in the NFL. Now, most of that usually goes hand in hand. If you're putting guys in the NFL, you're probably winning games too. But you get my point. You get my point. So Kendall Riles did what he had to do. He put up yards. He put up points. He did what he had to do with K.J. Jefferson. But I think he's an overall quarterback. K.J. Jefferson's not there. He's a freak from a, an ability with his arm and his ability to maneuver in the pocket. And he's almost an extra running back, just a bowling ball. Just from go back and watch the film, not a lot of quick twitch, but the initial tackle never brings him down. And again, he's not going to have a bad year. I just think there's going to be some struggle. I, I don't know if he's always going to be able to come back and communicate to Danny. He knows exactly what he is seeing on the field from the defense, and that's an issue going to be an issue. A lot of pre-checks, um, a lot of kills at the line of scrimmage. I don't know if K.J. Jefferson's ready for that. I'm leaning towards no from what I've heard. So that's why I have him at six. I think that's fair. I'm probably one of the few the proudest doing that. But again, that's just off my own eyes, talking to sources. I think it's going to be a struggle for him. I hope I'm wrong, but I think it could be a struggle. And by no means, again, does this mean he's going to have a bad season? I think he's going to have a solid season, but I think he regresses a little bit. Moving to five. Moving to fifth. Spencer Rattler from the University of South Carolina. Spencer Rattler has the most upside, I think, probably him and Joe Milton, of anyone in this conference. When he is on, no one's better in the conference. I, don't, I mean, some could be as good, but not as – I don't think you could say outright better. But consistency, like I said earlier, that's the key. When I say – when I talk about consistency, he's a kid that comes to mind. Spencer Rattler's a guy that comes to mind. He's really not been consistent since the 2020 season uh, at Oklahoma before he transferred to South Carolina. Now, new OC, Dow Logans, I think it will be a breath of fresh air kind of take a lot of stuff out. I think they brought a – I think South Carolina's offense last year, let's put it this perspective. I think South Carolina's offense last year was a lot like the Cheesecake Factory. Hear me out. It was a lot like the Cheesecake Factory. It's a big menu. And in college, I just mentioned it with K.J. Jefferson, you can put too much on the guy sometime at quarterback. I think Spencer Rattler and Shane Beamer, like what Dow Logans has brought in so far, bringing in a limited menu, let's get good – Let's. Let's get really good at making steak. Let's get really good at making sushi. We don't need all these pastas, uh, these pizzas, all these appetizers, um, chicken marsala. We don't need all that. Just be good at what we're good at that fits within Spencer's system. I think Dow Loggins is going to be able to do that. So I think Spencer, Spencer Rattler sitting at five. Some people may be, well, you sound like you like him. Why do you have at five? Let's move up some guys a little bit. Let's talk. We're getting to that. We're getting to that. And to be fair to Spencer Rattler a little bit, a lot of it's going to be key on his – um, offensive line, kind of like Devin Leary at Kentucky. If you can run the football, they don't. They have issues in the day. They have issues after Juju McDowell. They have running back depth issues at South Carolina. If they can run the football at South Carolina, that's really going to help as a rattler. And that's an obvious statement. If you can run to set up the pass, run to set up the pass is what you do. So that 
it's going to help any quarterback if they're able to run the football. It's going to give him a lot of one-on-one situations outside. But off the line will be key for Spitzer Rattler. But moving to number four, Devin Leary from Kentucky. Just mentioned him a little bit. Good watch. Go watch it. Go watch the Clemson game for 2021. Good size, overall athletic ability in the pocket. Can throw at all three levels. Has good hand talent. Can layer the football. I, I enjoyed watching this kid's eval tape. I really did. Has weapons on the outside that no other Kentucky quarterback, probably except last year with Will Levis, had the same guys. But the offensive line was not there. I expect the offensive line to be better. Again, Spencer Rattler and Devin Leary, tomato, tomato. The offensive line is going to be the factor on probably where those two teams finish. I think those two teams are right with each other. Who finishes third in the East? Probably who better has the better offensive line. Uh, but if both offensive lines can establish a run. Again, that helps both quarterbacks. Um, but, again, he's got a lot of weapons. Tavian Robinson, Dane Key, Barry and Brown. I think a lot. I think Devin Leary is going to be a surprise. I have two big surprises in the top four. I think Devin Leary and someone else we'll get to in a moment are going to be the two big surprises in the Southeastern Conference from the quarterback position this year. Moving to number three, Joe Milton. Joe Milton, you can't deny the raw tools Joe Milton has. I just said it. I think him and Spencer Rattler have the best tools in the conference, the highest upsides when playing their best. You also don't want to get go against the odds and say Josh Heupel would not produce another product, another productive quarterback. I mean, we're going back to. Uh, Drew Locke at Missouri. Uh, we're going back to Dylan Gabriel at UCF. Put up big numbers with him. Hendon Hooker obviously put up historic and Tennessee legend, all-time great at Tennessee. In the last five or six years, Josh Highbutton had a bad quarterback. So I think the guy with the most tools is probably not going to be bad either. But to expect Hendon Hooker-type numbers, I think it's a little outrageous. Only threw two interceptions last year. I think the interception numbers will probably go up a little bit. But the big thing for Joe Milton is taking advantage of the opportunities downfield. If there's a busted coverage in the scheme one, and your quarterbacks are putting your coaches are putting you in great position to make plays, you can't overthrow it. You can't overthrow it. Underthrow. Underthrow the deep ball if you have to. Do not overthrow and leave points on that board. Do not leave six points on the board. That's what Joe Milton's got to settle in. Hey, try not to do too much. Take the throws that the offense has given you. It's proven. It's worked on everybody. They've been outscoring everybody for five or six years in this hypo offense. Don't overthink. Don't overthink. When I say five or six years, probably longer than that, too. Seven or eight years. Going back to when Josh Heupel was at Missouri. Put it that way. And even some in Oklahoma. I know he was the scapegoat at the end. But every time – Josh Heupel's always had a good offense. Let's put it that way. That's not reinventing wheel. That's not telling you something you don't already know. But, again – the thing I do want to see with Joe Milton, though, he had the big game against Clemson in the Orange Bowl. And bowl games are not meaningless. I'm not saying that. Go watch the bowl games and tell me if you think they're meaningless, if you really think they're meaningless. People seem to be getting pretty excited about that, and people, the players on the field seem to be getting pretty excited about their play. And also, they're still watched. Go look at the, go look at the, uh, go look at the TV ratings during bowl games. Then also, I want to see Joe Milton go win a big game on the road against somebody. And have a shot in Tuscaloosa this year. Maybe a big game in general. Beat Georgia and Knoxville. Go win that game in Florida and Gainesville. Big early season match. First SEC game. I want to see him win a big game in the regular season where everything's still in the line. But to be fair to Joe Milton this year, I think he comes in. A lot of people thought there was still a potential race between him and the true freshman uh, star, uh, Nico Lamalabea. But this is Joe Milton's team. This is his offense. I feel like back in 2021, he was still fighting off Hendon Hooker, didn't really feel real comfortable forcing himself. I think he knows this is his offense. This is his team. He's been told that by Josh Heupel. So I think there's going to be a little bit of a humble confidence rolling in this year for Joe Milton. So that's why I got him at number three. Moving to number two. I told you projections are a real thing. This is what I'm doing here off watching with my eyeballs. Carson Beck, number two, the Georgia quarterback. I know I'm getting a Calm down, everybody over in Athens. Calm down. I know the applause is getting too loud. People in Knoxville are probably booing me. But biggest projection of the rankings. Uh, Beck has all the tools to be a successful quarterback. And every year there's always somebody that comes out of nowhere to kind of take to be in a top three, top four quarterback in the SEC. And I think this year there's two of them. I think it's Carson Beck at Georgia we're talking about right now. And we already mentioned him, Devin Leary at Kentucky. I think he's going to be fourth. And I think the support cast around Carson Beck right now, Stacey Searles' group up front of the offensive line, they're going to be really good this year. I think running backs will be fine. He's got some weapons on the outside, Lad McConkey, um, Brock Bowers over there tied in. We got new. We brought in new guys, the Mississippi State transfer wide receiver, Ra-Ra Thomas. And then you brought in Missouri's best deep threat slot receiver in Dominic Lovick. I think he's going to have some guys out there with guys like that. 
I think he's going to have, I think, I think the additions of Rara Thomas and Dominic Lovett are massive for Georgia this year. And you add in the fact the offensive line, the big uglies, and again, they're going to be able to establish the run. It's going to help the quarterback, is what I've been talking about. I think Carson Beck, call me crazy, call me crazy. Early Heisman, early Heisman. There's a reason why Vegas has him as the second, has that he has the second highest odds of any SEC player right now to win the Heisman. Vegas is seeing it too. Go watch the film. Go watch the film of Carson Beck and Devin Leary and come back and tell me, Dave, that's not that crazy. You may have them in the top four. Just saying, I think Carson Beck's you know, under the radar Heisman candidate. Situation's going to be there. His team's going to be winning a lot. Support cast. He's going to be eased in. He's going to win this job. Kid has all the ability. The Jacksonville product. He's a dude. I'm telling you. And then finally, number one. Only one man left, Jaden Daniels from LSU, the fifth-year senior that really grew as the season progressed last year. Daniels, smooth athlete, very comfortable in Mike Dembrock's offense and also working with uh, LSU's quarterbacks, Coach Joe Sloan. I think the second year, again, second year, same OC. It's going to be massive, and that's, that's why LSU's getting picked by a lot of people to win the SEC, not only because of, they have their offensive coordinator back, they have their quarterback back, they also have their defensive coordinator back. But that's why a lot of people like LSU, and that's fair. Um I think we're far beyond the hesitant play we saw the early early in the first half of the season last year where he wouldn't take off when he really needed to. Just kind of looked like a deer in headlights. Uh, we should see a much more polished veteran guy that can throw to all three levels and also has a mental clock and awareness to know when he needs to take off. And he did a good job of protecting the football last year, so I'm not really worried about that. But I think he's just real comfortable. I think this year, Gene Daniels takes that next step. Um, again, I think the second year in the system is critical. Factor in LSU is expecting the offensive line to be one of their strengths with some of their youngsters growing up. Uh, they got weapons on the outside. Mason Taylor, the tight end. Uh, they just need to, they need some running backs to step up. Maybe is it Josh Williams? Is it Logan Diggs? The uh, Notre Dame transfer they brought in? Is it Noah Kane? Guys like that. They need a running back to step up. But I think the offensive line there is going to be fine. Is going to be there for them to take that next step. And again, that's why I got Jaden Daniels number one. I just think he's going to be their fifth-year senior. Played a lot of football out of Arizona State last year. Got his feet wet in the SEC. His OC's back. His quarterback's coach back. Just a comfortability level. He's been there all spring. He knows it's going to be his job. Uh, and I think a guy like Garrett Nussmeyer. I think LSU would feel fine if he played other. I think he pushes Jaden Daniels every day. I think he does. it's Jaden Daniels' job. That's Myers, no slouch. So I think he pushes him every day. I think Jake Daniels right right now and then probably at the end of the year will be the best quarterback from the SEC. Going to some fan questions, though, before we wrap up the episode. From Coleman Richards, what games in conference are you most confident in that a certain team wins? Huh. Uh, off the top of my head, I think Alabama beats Tennessee and Knoxville this year. I think that's a game Alabama is going to have circled. I'm, I'm very confident Alabama wins that game. Um, I think Ole Miss at Auburn. I think Auburn's going to win that game. That's a game I'm confident in. And then finally, another one. I think South Carolina ends the losing streak to Missouri. I think they go to Como, go to Columbia, Missouri, and in that, it's one of the few teams. That's a team Shane Beamer has not beaten since he's been in the league. He's not beaten a lie drink. What's in them? He's 0-3. I think they have that game circled. So those are those will probably be the three right off the top of my head. I probably need to do a segment on that. So I appreciate you asking, um, Coleman. But, yeah, I would go Alabama – Beating Tennessee, I'm very confident in. Um, I would say Auburn getting it done on the Plains with the Lane Kiffin, Hugh Freeze stuff. I think Hugh Freeze is going to have that game circled against his former employer. I think Auburn's going to get that done. I think the Auburn fan base will help them. I think wherever that game was this year was who's going to win. If it was in Oxford, Ole Miss would win. If it's in Auburn like it is, I think Auburn wins. So I think I'm very confident Auburn wins that game with Hugh Freeze. And then finally, like I said, I think Shane Beamer and South Carolina get it done against Elijah Drinkwitz. Uh, they finally end that, and Shane Beamer gets his first win against Missouri uh, during his time in South Carolina. Then the final question, an interesting question here from a Southern Miss fan, at Trey Bear. Uh, thoughts on the Southern Miss-Mississippi State matchup at the end of the year? It's interesting. I, I talked about games teams should be a little worried about from a sleeper standpoint uh, two weeks ago. And I said Missouri should be worried about Middle Tennessee State. This is kind of how I feel with that. Southern Mississippi State game. And if, if you're not familiar with the schedules, this game is the second to last game of the year for Mississippi State. It's five days before the Egg Bowl. If you remember, the Egg Bowl's on a short short week. It's that Thursday. Ole Miss, I mean, um, Mississippi State sometimes has a conference game before. 
If I'm Mississippi State, I'm not real fired up for this game's on the schedule. This is going to be Southern Miss's Super Bowl. Will Hall's done a good job recruiting. They went to a bowl game last year. This will be his third season. He's got the Southern Miss program going in the right direction. If they can get a quarterback, they should be pretty good. The offensive line, one of the biggest offensive lines in the country, the biggest in the group of five. They got Frank Gore Jr. back. It's replaced a pretty solid defensive coordinator in Austin Armstrong who went to Florida. They've recruited well enough. They got some talent there, Southern Miss, on the back uh, on that defense. It's a little dangerous game for Mississippi State, especially if you're looking ahead towards your big in-state rival, Ole Miss, just five days later. Short week. I mean, you're going to get a full week. I saw this question from Trey on Twitter, and it had me thinking kind of right for the episode. Now, I was like, this kind of reminds me of that Middle Tennessee State-Missouri game, but that's the second week of the year. Only advantage Missouri really has, I think, going into that one is that Middle Tennessee State plays Alabama to open up the year, so they probably should be a little beat up. But, again, this this is – if I'm Mississippi State and I'm Zach Arnett, I better not be – overlooking Southern Miss because I think Southern Miss can be a bowl team this year. I don't think – I would not overlook them. And Will Hall's a Mississippi guy. He understands this stuff. He understands how this how massive of a win this was. Probably good. Maybe get him another job in a year or two. It's a, obviously a bigger game for Southern Miss than Mississippi State. Zach Arnett and, the, and those guys who are not really familiar with Southern Miss do not need to overlook this and looking ahead to the Ole Miss game, the Egg Bowl, five days later. You may get – Snake bit. You may get Georgia Southern versus Florida. Just saying, one team's going to be a lot more hungry going into this game than the other. It's a solid question there, Trey. But, man, covered a lot. Covered a lot. I hope you had as much fun as I did. We talked. didn't go really into any portal. I told you that we talked Major League Baseball drafts. We talked SEC media days, college football just around the corner. I ranked my SEC quarterbacks 1 through 14. You may call me crazy with having Carson Beck and Devin Leary in the top four, but I think it's how it's going to shake out. Did a lot of research on that one. Talked to a lot of people. I feel very good about those rankings. And then we answered some fan questions. Uh, Thursday's episode, I think it's going to be really fun. We should have Jake Crane from uh, Crane and Company coming in. We're going to do an SEC coaches draft. We're gonna SEC coaches draft. We're both going to get 11 draft picks. Um, go as you may. You can draft a head coach first. You can draft a defensive coordinator first. We're just going to go through the SEC and draft our coaches. I think it's going to be a fun exercise. And we also have scout school. Got three new guys to evaluate. Josh Murphy will be coming back. We may have another guy. Uh, used to work for the San Francisco 49ers, Travis Dara, who might join us. We'll be testing that out. So Thursday episode, you do not want to miss. This will be probably one of our, uh, one of our funner episodes of the summer. Uh, do not miss that. Put that on your calendar, 7 o'clock Central Time Zone, um, for some scout school and SEC coaches draft on Thursday, along with some other stuff, obviously, fan questions. That goes on every episode. But, again, I, I appreciate you joining us. I had a blast giving you the rankings, 1 through 14 of my quarterbacks, talking everything else we talked about, uh, Major League Baseball draft, fan questions, SEC media days. Again, I had a blast. was out last week. Apologize for that. We're back. We're rolling, baby. Uh, college football just around the corner. Major League Baseball draft wraps up tomorrow. But, again, I appreciate you joining us on this uh, episode of Mock 10 Sports. Give a great week. Keep following us on Mock 10 Sports for the best information on SEC sports.